0: You're listening to the Armchair Quarterbacks on CBS Sports Radio, number one sports station. Good morning, and this is your Armchair Quarterbacks Sports Flash. Here are your betting lines out in the desert for tonight's football action in college. The Wyoming Cowboys are a four-point favorite at Colorado State. The over-under is 52-and-a-half. Utah State is getting 17 at the Nevada Wolfpack. The over-under is 56. And in the NFL, Thursday Night Football, it's the Green Bay Packers giving up six and a half on the road to the San Francisco 49ers who are battered and bruised. The over-under is 49 and a half. The NBA Owners and NBA Players Association will hold separate meetings on Thursday, expected to result in an agreement to start the 2020 2021 season in the NBA playing a reduced 72-game schedule on December 22nd. The NBA Players Association is planning to take a formal vote late Thursday, and sources say that everything is progressing towards an agreement for a pre-Christmas start to the season. If an agreement cannot be reached, it looks like the NBA is willing to force the NBA into a 50-game schedule beginning sometime around mid-January. Free agent, right-handed pitcher Trevor Bauer has rejected the Cincinnati Reds' $18.9 million qualifying offer for the 2021 season. However, quote, Bauer remains open to discussing a return to Cincinnati and all other interested teams through free agency, unquote. Bauer's agent commented, on Tuesday. Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver Antonio Brown expressed gratitude Wednesday for the opportunity to rejoin a team after a year and a half away from football. Quote, being away from the game for a year and a half, just to be able to be a part of the process, to be out there with the guys today, was surreal. Something I don't take for granted. Something I have great appreciation for. Unquote. The Bucks and Saints do battle Sunday night at 820. And that's your armchair quarterback's wake-up show. CBS Sports Flash. Stay tuned for more of the Armchair Quarterbacks on these CBS affiliates, our Facebook Live, and the Armchair Quarterbacks app. Tap that app today. Good morning! It's time to wake up, y'all! You're listening to the Armchair Quarterback Show. We're here weekdays, 8 a.m. Eastern, 7 Central, to 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 Central. Available on Google Android, Apple iPhone, Facebook Live, and Periscope Twitter. Tap that Armchair Quarterback's app. Take us anywhere you go. The Armchair Quarterback Show, your first choice for Southern Sports Talk. Hi, I'm Mac Nguyen. I don't know much, but I know one thing. Man, this election crap just needs to end. I mean, they drug this out and dragged this out and dragging this out, however the hell you want to say it. And I feel like this is a long-ending, never-ending nightmare. Just tell us who it is so the rest of the people can get back to work for the love of God. You people have been chosen to reveal our existence to the world. You will witness what happens here today and you will tell of it later. Now you will save us. We do not ask for your poor or your hungry? We do not want your tired and sick. It is your corrupt we claim. It is your evil that will be sought by us. With every breath, we shall hunt them down. Each day, we will spill their blood till it rains down from the skies. These are principles which every man of every faith can embrace. These are not polite suggestions. These are codes of behavior. And those of you that ignore them will pay the dearest cost. But if you do, one day you will look behind you and you will see we three. And shepherds we shall be. be. Armchair. Community Access Channel. He's the Armchair Quarterback. He's full of beer and he's full of snacks. the all-American man. Hey, howdy, hi. How? Top of the morning to you. Welcome to the Armchair Quarterback radio show. I'm Mac McGee and uh, Justin Waller is going to try to make it today, but he got held up once again because of work. For people who don't know, uh, he is a dispatcher and sometimes, especially, especially this time of year, he gets pulled away. So we'll see if he shows up or not. Regardless, man, we got a big, big day in front of us. First of all, there is Thursday night football, and the injuries that have just impacted this game is unreal. San Francisco is like a mass unit at this point, and somehow that spread's still sitting at around six and a half on most sites. I find that so hard to believe that we are sitting here with a team that doesn't have their starting quarterback. That does not have, not their starter, not their backup. They don't even have their first three string running backs that are going to play. Their best two wide receivers are out. Their best actual receiver, who is a tight end, and McKittle is out. And somehow the line hasn't moved. It smells, man. It smells bad. Now, I don't know what to make of this. You would think that Green Bay would be a much bigger favorite. But the line has barely moved. And so, you know, take that for what you will. But uh, it moved up a little bit this morning. It's now up to seven on most sites. But, I, you know, I still say take the Packers minus the points because it's going to be very, very hard for that to be reached. Now, what has changed a little bit is the over-unders going down by about a point. But I, I just don't know how San Francisco is going to put together drives to be able to sustain their, their team total, by the way, is now 20 and a half. It was 21 and a half this time yesterday. So that has gone down. That is a significant drop in a team total, but overall it's like the line hasn't been adjusted. And I don't know if it's got anything to do with remember last year, Green Bay went out to San Francisco and we thought we were going to get a showdown. And this, it was about this time last year because it was about mid season and Green Bay got annihilated. It was a Sunday night football game, and I remember like it was yesterday because I remember thinking that this was gonna be such a big game, built my day up to it, could not wait to watch it, and then you sat down, and Christ Almighty, it just, it fell apart. The game was even close. So, and if there was a team that was going to get blown out, you would've thought it would've been not Uh, Green Bay that night honestly most people would have thought that it would have been San Francisco San Francisco blew them out at that point we started to wonder if, if Green Bay was a fraud Green Bay did go on obviously to the NFC championship game they would lose to San Francisco there as well but it was that day that I think or that night that I think everybody essentially woke up and realized that the San Francisco team is for real. I just don't think you're going to get that tonight. There was an interesting thing put out there by Steve young. I believe it was yesterday. It could have been the day before that he thinks this could be the end of the road for Garoppolo in San Francisco. And normally I would say, I don't know about that, man. They invest a lot of money in him. Seemed like that was Kyle Shanahan's guy. This might just be shock jock type of stuff. Steve Young's not known for that. And then you got to sit back and think, all right, if there's anybody who knows quarterbacking in in the San Francisco 49er area that you're going to listen to, it's Steve Young. The only guy that would know more would be Joe Montana. And Steve Young's much more uh, eloquent on the mic, I guess. Joe Montana was fine back in his day, but if you ever watched him on, I believe it was the CBS kickoff show, nice guy, but uh, not very entertaining is the best way that you can put that without being mean. So Steve Young's the guy that you would go to, and if he's saying that he thinks that this is Garoppolo's last game, because he, he says he's having season-ending surgery. San Francisco's not making the playoffs, y'all. And even though we can look at the schedule, I mean, excuse me, look at the standings and say, man, they're 4-4. Four and four. They might expand it to 16 teams. This team is going to plummet and plummet fast. Even if you get 16 teams in the NFL playoffs, meaning eight in each league, there's no way for San Fran to get in. There just isn't, because I think you would pencil in the rest of the NFC West, assuming that they don't have catastrophic catastrophic injuries themselves. So there's three. The NFC East will get one. That's four. The Packers is five, and the Bucks are or and Saints are six and seven. The eighth team will either be the Bears, the Lions, maybe the Panthers. But that's it. You're, you're not going to get San Francisco to that point. That's why I I don't want a 16 team league. Uh, excuse me. Playoffs. Terrible, terrible idea. There is just, if you're not good enough to get into the playoffs with the eight, excuse me. If you're not good enough to get in there as as a top seven team, In the NFC or the AFC for that matter. You're just not good enough to be in the playoffs this year. Nobody wants to see that in the NFL. Nobody wants to see the Seattle Seahawks cream the Lions in the first round. Let them have the week off and and away we go. So that's my thoughts on that. But tonight's game is big. It's also a little, uh, it's big for, for Green Bay to get back on track. If San Francisco were to find a way to, I believe at this point, it's Nick Mullen that's going to be playing quarterback tonight. If if they were to find a way to get in there, we'd be talking about something totally different. If we were talking about San Francisco being able to find a way to get in the plus, this game would be much bigger on the San Francisco side. But I just don't think that San Francisco has any... What's the famous word we're using nowadays with the presidential election? There's no path! Okay, there's no path to San Francisco, you know. You know they say that Biden has a clear path to the White House now, and Trump still has a path, but it had this and this and that, and it has to fall forward. There's no path for San Francisco. They're five and excuse me, they're four and four. Let's say best case scenario, they shock the world and win tonight, and they and they go five and four. I don't know if they would have to win. We'll say I don't know five and four so there's seven games left what do you say they have to win at least three more games San Francisco would all right let's let's look at their schedule because San Francisco seven games left if they were winning win tonight and they would have to win tonight and I just really don't think that they would win tonight but let's, let's say that they do. San Francisco is not going to be able to navigate this schedule. I'm pulling up the schedule right now, and sorry, I, I'm, I'm on the wrong site, so it's taking me a second. NFL Network's website is terrible, by the way. If you've ever navigated through it, it is absolutely atrocious. I don't know what makes me think to go onto this site every once in a while, but it is just just—it's not user-friendly. Whoever designed it uh, should be fired. And away we go with that. But Green Bay tonight and then at New Orleans, they get a bye. So so maybe they would, I don't know, maybe they could gather themselves and put it together a good game plan against the Rams. But I still think the Rams beat them in Los Angeles. Then they got the Bills. It's in San Francisco on a Monday night, but the Bills should win that game. They do get Washington and Dallas back-to-back games one on the road one at home so maybe they get one of those maybe they even get two of those right then they finish off with arizona and seattle i just i don't see a see a path for them and if there's seven teams like they should keep it they're they definitely won't make it so this game tonight is all about green bay and how well can they play how well can uh, they get going they've got their own issues at running back because of the injuries Uh, Aaron Jones is going to be a game-time decision. We might actually get this decision around 4 or 5 o'clock Eastern, but it's going to be later in the day. As of right now, they have not ruled him out. And then, of course, their their other running backs are COVID-19 hit. So they are looking at a situation where Green Bay, if Green Bay does not have Aaron Jones... And that's still a big if at this point, but a possibility that they may not have Aaron Jones. They're going to go in with two running backs that are extremely inexperienced, and essentially, I think they would dump it out and just go to the passing game. So, if you've got the two guys by the name, by the way, one of them is Dexter Williams, um. Notre Dame guy is what is, if you knew him from anything, it would be that Jamal Williams is the other Williams that has the COVID-19 and they, at this point, when you're looking at the backfield, it's Williams and Ty, Tyler Irvin, who exactly, Tyler Irvin. Those two guys are your only back. So they're going to go to a, a passing game. I'm sure they're still going to run the ball 15 to 20 times to keep you honest, but it's going to be a passing game with no Aaron Jones, no Jamal Adams, And oh, by the way, AJ Dillon is also out for the game. So it's going to be an absolute disaster. Absolute disaster for the Green Bay Packers running game. And maybe that's why they are being favored by only a touchdown. But I still think if you force Aaron Jones to throw, excuse me, I said Aaron Jones. Aaron Rodgers. If you throw if you're forcing Aaron Rodgers to throw and there is no Aaron Jones, man, I don't know if that's good for you. That just means that they're gonna score more. Because San Francisco's defense is not what it was last year with the injuries that they have been plagued with. So real quick, to, to put a cap on this, I think that Green Bay wins somewhere around 31-14. to 14. I just don't think it's going to be that close of a game. But from a fantasy football perspective, there's going to be a lot of skin in it, as a lot of us have a lot of players. I mean, a lot of players that are going to be involved in that. you got Devontae Adams. You've got Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, possibly Aaron Jones. Uh, we hope for that. I've, I've got him in a couple of leagues, so I really hope that he, he can play. But if it's one of those things where he's going to limp in, I'd rather him just sit down because I'd rather start one of my other guys this weekend than to be forced to start him. And then he goes out there and only pitches you – know, only goes you know 10 carries or whatnot and doesn't get you anything. So, you don't like that. So, for all intents and purposes – San Francisco, there is no real reason to start anyone in that game. I know Jermichael Hasty is one of the names that people are out there hinting around about, about whether or not that they would be interested in starting him. I, it's a risky play, y'all. If you have him and you got a question about it, go ahead and put it on the thread on the uh, on the Facebook page. But I'd like to know who your other options are because Jermichael Hasty is a huge – he's very touchdown dependent if you're going to start him. So there you have that. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk some college football and also get you caught up on what's going on in the EPL. There, There are games involving EPL teams today, so we will get you caught up on that. We'll be back in a flash here on the Armchair Quarterbacks. Keep it locked in here to CBS Sports Radio. Oh, yeah. I mean the Lord. We've got an understanding. We're on a mission from God. You're riding morning shotgun with the Armchair Quarterbacks. We're here weekdays and streaming on the Armchair Quarterbacks app. Download it today. Your first choice for sports talk here on the First Coast. Drink a beer, sing a song, make a friend. Can't we all get along? you're looking for gifts or stuff for yourself from all teams from all sports it's mvp collectibles in the saint augustine outlets mall mvp collectibles has all 32 nfl teams every sec every acc teams from the big 10 and 10 different major league baseball teams that's mvp collectibles it's where the armchair quarterbacks can be found just before game day to get our man cave popping no matter what team you love Southern College football fan. Are you a Seminole, Hurricane or Gator, Bulldog, Yellow Jacket, Gamecock or Tiger? Is it Roll Tide or War Eagle? Good old Rocky Top, LSU or Old Miss or the Mississippi State Cowbell? Whoever your team is throughout this Southern land, Dixie Football Nation is your show. We cover ACC, SEC, so find us on the Armchair Quarterbacks Network today. Because it's always football season throughout the South, and Dixie Football Nation has got you covered. Wildcats. Whoa. Top Gun Supply stocks a wide range of firearms. So stop on by at Top Gun Supply at 525 State Road 16 in St. Augustine. Top Gun Supply is open 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Saturday. Top Gun Supply, the friendly gun shop. This is Channel 2 with the Armchair Quarterbacks. Catch me at drive time with Mac the Game, the Armchair Quarterbacks, radio show, and Facebook Live. Detroit. I'm 7 0 this season. You auto drafted. That's what all the great GMs do. They delegate. You didn't do anything. Yeah, I did. I set the cue. Without fantasy football, what would friends talk about? I almost wore shorts today. Oh. It's going to do a sweatshirt shorts combo. Hmm. Switched. Hands instead. Armchair. <laughs> See, not to me, that button's in the worst possible spot. The second button literally makes or breaks the shirt. Look at it. It's too high. It's in no man's land. You look like you live with your mother. Welcome back here on Armchair Quarterback Radio. As uh, we are riding here, shotgun with you this morning. We hope to hear from uh, Justin, but uh, not expecting it as he will be back tomorrow. Uh, Tony will be with us as well, as well as uh, Matt Carr. Um, full show for you tomorrow. Today, though, college football gets you caught up on what happened in the action last night or the MAXION. Are we calling it the MAXION now? I heard, I heard that term several times yesterday as the Mac came back last night. Believe it's the, believe it's the mid Atlantic conference. I don't know how you can be in the middle of the Atlantic, but it's the mid Atlantic conference. Um, I'm going to pull that up here in a second to figure that because we talked about the yesterday and I could not remember. And then I ended up forgetting exactly what it stood for, but I'll get pull up here in one second. Um, let me see here. All they have is I Jesus really the Google. If you, if you put Mac football in, all they do is try to sell you a bunch of freaking ads. Mid American conference. Okay. So I've been wrong this whole damn time. Mid American Conference—that's even dumber. How the hell are you Mid American? Are they trying to say Middle of America? I, I guess, but Mid American Conference is the uh, is is the answer to what the MAC stood for. For some reason, I thought it stood for Mid Atlantic. I know that I know it's actually been around for quite a while. Let me see where it says here. It says here 1946. I didn't realize it had been here been there that long but I I knew it'd been around for quite a while as long as I could remember uh the current teams are this you've got Akron uh Bowling Green Buffalo Kent State Miami University that's the one that's in Ohio not the one in Florida uh Ohio University Ball State Central Michigan Northern Illinois Toledo in Western Michigan. I thought there would be one in there that I would be shocked by, but no, I'm, I, I was aware that all those teams were in the Mac. I thought, I actually thought it was a little bigger than that. I guess they've lost some, some, uh, conference members here recently. So, uh, I remember temple used to be in there and remember they went to the big East and there were a couple other teams that, uh, they used to be in, the, I want to say that conference used to be about 14 teams, but anyways, they are now sitting at 12. Temple definitely, I know, is one that fell out. And then, of course, there was the big confusion between it and Sunbelt members getting getting transferred back and forth and, of course, Conference USA. So for anyways, l- lack of a better term, it's, it's a mid-major. So Mid-American Conference. I don't know why I thought it was, that was always Mid-Atlantic. Mid-American Conference. And away we go with the Mid-American Conference scores from last night. This was Kent State. Kent State and Eastern Michigan. Really good game. But listen to, I had to pull this clip up. Listen to the broadcast. These guys were horrendous last night. Listen to how dull this broadcast. It sounds like a couple, unless this is even high school football. This sounds like junior high school football uh, being broadcasted by the actual students themselves. Listen to this on snap back to crumb there it goes to the end zone man wide open it's caught for a touchdown for Kent State the six4 sophomore out of Ashburn Virginia does that not sound like something straight out of he's reading it off of a uh off a off a program and I there's just something really dull about that broadcast I tried to listen to it yesterday or I was actually watching it a little bit yesterday I was flipping around as, as there was no real major sports on and me and the wife ended up watching a movie that wasn't terrible but wasn't great uh what the hell was it called it was uh Dustin Hoffman and Adam Sandler and a really good cast and it could have been much better but it was poorly directed i've not looked in Seen who who it was that directed. I don't remember. I I remember when we pulled it up. It was made in 2017. So that's all I can remember of it. But it was, it's okay. It's not terrible. If if you if it pops up and you watch it, you're not going to hate the story. But you're you're not going to walk away with that going. Man, that was great. And I think they were being extremely or trying to be extremely artsy. I like to say artsy fartsy about it. Um, I was not. Let me see. Do I have it here? Here it is. That's why I couldn't remember it. The Meyerowitz stories. And then in, com, in, in uh, parentheses, new and selected. So that's how you know you got a hold of someone who's uh, trying to be artsy fartsy with the name and whatnot. Because you had to put new and selected in there. Um it was directed by Noah Bombach. And anyways, it looks like here he's a he's a young guy. Um he was he was fighting above his his uh weight class, I'll put it that way. Cause he had some good actors, he had a decent storyline, but it was poorly directed. And the way it jumped in and out of stories, anyways, we we sat through it, but as we sat through it, I flipped through different ball games and, and I heard the audios in in, in some of them. And uh, that 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 first clip that I just showed you, they were by far the worst. Other scores that happened last night, as the I mean, they came back in full action. I think they had eight games. Let me double check that. One, two, three, four, five, six, six games last night. So I guess all twelve teams were, were uh, in action last night. And uh, they played on Wednesday night. You know what? If they they end up playing every Wednesday night, that's the smartest thing that they can do. I haven't done a deep dive on that, and I don't have time to do it today. But if they end up playing every Wednesday night, all six of them, or all six games, 12 teams, all 12 teams, that's the smartest thing that they could do, and I would have to tip my cap to them. Because there's nothing on on Wednesday nights, and you can get at least your fan base excited to watch your games. Who was it that I saw Jason... Whitlock was excited about it. He must've went to ball state. Cause so he said he was excited to watch ball state. I, I saw that tweet out last night. So he, he's got some affiliation. I don't know if that's his actual alma mater or if he grew up in that area, but he was uh, excited for ball state to play. Uh, they lost to Miami of Ohio. They ended up losing that game 38 uh, 31. I could not find audio for that, unfortunately, but, What I did find audio for was the uh, Akron versus Western Michigan game. Akron get their doors blown off. The game was still close at this point when AJ Thomas picks off Keto Nelson's and takes it to the house. So second down and 10 after the no gain on first down, pocket collapsing. That ball is picked off. And just like that, Going all the way to the end zone. It is a pick six. A.J. Thomas is in the end zone, making the Zips pay. So the Zips get, take take one on the chin. They've been really bad for a while. The, what I always remember about the Akron Zips, other than the fact that they're from Akron, Ohio, and, of course, that's where LeBron's from. They always talk about that. But uh, I think his name was Jerry Faust, I believe is what his name was. He, The Notre Dame head coach in the early 80s, he left Notre Dame and ended up in Akron, and they were terrible then. And he came there and he made him okay. And then for a while, about 20 years ago, they were Akron was decent because you would see them their their names pop up, and they would always go out there and be in the mix. And then here recently, the last few years, they've been terrible and they're terrible once again. Lost 58 to 13. Um Western Michigan's quarterback, Ellaby, did have 262 yards, three touchdown passes. But I always think of them when I think of the, when I think of the Akron zips, I always thought it was an odd name, Akron zips. Cause if you're bad at football and you call your team, the zips kind of implies you're not going to score any points. Right now. If you have a historical defense constantly, it, you know, kind of kind of like the steel curtain, then calling yourself the zips, it, it would be intimidating, but putting a Z on the side of your helmet in white and blue and calling yourself the Zips, you either need to play really fast-paced offense, so you're zipping up and down the field, or you need to be shutting teams out. But you don't need to be losing 58-13 to at home to Western Michigan. Other scores that took place last night, Buffalo. Buffalo's always got a pretty good team. Buffalo takes down Northern Illinois, who usually has a pretty good team themselves. Buffalo takes down uh, Northern Illinois, forty-nine to thirty. They'll run it, Patterson, with a seam into the secondary and beyond. Still going, tiptoeing the sideline. Patterson makes a house call, and that's for the record. He now has the most rushing touchdowns in the history of Buffalo football. See, now that's a great. That's a great broadcast. That is a great play-by-play. Whoever that was, I don't know who it is, and I, I, I you know, forgive me for not. Knowing these uh, announcers' names that are doing the, you know, all these games on ESPN Plus and whatnot, but th- that—that's a college football announcer I expect to hear. That first one I played you, man, I was like, I, I, every time I flipped over that game, I was like, the hell am I listening to? Is this like? I, could they not find anybody with any kind of? And you didn't hear it, but in that clip, but his his uh, counterpart was equally as bad. I mean, it sounded like, you know what it reminded me of? It sounded like, if, if you've been riding down the road in, in the South on a Friday night, for whatever reason, you're traveling or whatever, and you pick up a local high school football game, and you can tell you've stumbled across the feed of a high school football program that's not very good because their announcers are terrible, and there's probably some nepotism involved, it's probably, you know, The grandfather and the dad of the principal. And they're just sitting there mumbling around. And you can hear paper shuffling around. And every once in a while, you'll hear them talk about where they're getting their hair cut that weekend. And you could even make that sound interesting if you know what you're doing on, on radio. But they don't. It's boring and it's droll. That's what I thought I was listening to. I was like, how the hell... And it was being broadcasted by, I think it was ESPN plus. I can so anyways, on the family of ESPN networks. So these are not just random bozos, right? These are guys that somehow had to, they had to pass the test somehow. And somebody had to have said, now they might've, they might be, uh, what they call outsourcing the, the broadcast, especially in, in 2020 where everyone's cutting costs. There's a one that's one thing to outsource the broadcast. It's another thing to outsource it to just boobs. I'd rather you outsource it to some guy in India who barely knows the game and has a terrible thick accent that you can't understand. At least at least that would add some intrigue to the game. They were terrible. Uh catch up the rest of the broadcast or the excuse me, scoreboard, Central Michigan Sque- squeezes out a three-point victory against Ohio. The, Ohio, the Ohio Bobcats. Curtis Rourke in his first career start in college football. Over the middle, incomplete. Ryan Lerman, the intended target. We do not see a flag Curtis. earlier in the game, and he and Central Michigan will survive. That reference was there was a flag that um, extended that drive earlier in the game. Uh, Ohio was trying to make a run there at the end. And what They're they trying to set it for at least a game-winning field goal. They were at about midfield when, when that ball. The, the line of scrimmage was about midfield when that ball fell short. So, a big night of Mac. It's back. Real quick on the scoreboard just to get you caught up because I don't remember if i said every single score. But Kent State Michigan, State 27-23 over Eastern Michigan. Western Michigan 58 to 13 over the Zips. Buffalo, 49 30 winners over Northern Illinois. Central Michigan takes out Ohio, as you just heard, 30 to 27. Miami of Ohio, and I believe that's that's where uh yeah, that's where uh, Big Ben is from. 38-31 over Ball State. And the one that we have not mentioned, team that's usually really good, and they look to be really good again this year, Toledo, the Rockets. Used to be called the Mudheads. The Toledo Rockets, 38-3 to winners over Bowling Green. Every time I think of the Toledo Rockets, that used to be the Mudheads. I always think of that. It was the late 70s, early 80s. There was a famous picture that was in the Florida Times-Union. That was taken Florida hosted Toledo, Florida lost prior to the game, the entire week leading up the local radio and television. I mean, it's not not television, excuse me, newspaper articles were making cracks about their, their moniker, which were, which were the mud hens and kept saying, what the heck is a mud hen anyways? The Gators are going to eat the mud hens. And, you know, what in the heck is a mud hen? Toledo went in and upset them. I believe it might even, don't quote me on this, but I think it might have been homecoming. I'm pretty sure it was because that's usually when you would, when you would schedule someone like that. And in the back of the window of the team bus, as the bus was leaving Gainesville's parking lot, University of Florida's parking lot, Ben Hill Griffiths Stadium, there was a huge sign put in the back of one of the windows where the photographers of the Florida Titan union got a good picture of it. And the, and they <laughs> the, they had to blur at, blur it out. But it said, did you figure out what in the F a mud hen was? <laughs> and man, me and my dad used to laugh about that all the time as a kid. Uh, moving on tomorrow night, you got Miami and North Carolina state. That's a big one is Miami, look, Miami's still creep around there. They're, they're 11th in the country. I don't think they're very good. I think Miami uh, got everyone's attention by beating a bad Florida State team on a week where they didn't even have their coach, and they still had James Blackman in there, and they blew up Florida State, and everyone still is always going to think of Florida State. No matter how bad they are this year, they think of how, look, Florida State just won the national title what seven seasons ago? And they were in the in, they're in the playoffs in 2014. They won it in 2013. they were in the playoffs in 2014. And they were on the cusp there in 2015. So it has, Florida State's not that far removed from being a national power. So winning that game put Miami on a fake pedestal. Now we look at this and we going forward. And Miami's got a big game tomorrow night. They're heavy favorites. Believe it was a 10 and a half point favorite last time I saw uh over-under is like around 59. They're looking for clear skies, Miami 10.5 point favorite against North Carolina State. Remember, NC State's lost their quarterback. Miami should roll in this game. And if they don't roll in this game, it's another red flag. So we look forward to that. But the big game that I'm looking forward to over the next few nights. It's going to go under a lot of people's radar because unless you've been watching this team or unless you've been listening to this show, because they've been, they've almost become uh, my, I'm not going to say my second favorite team, but I've, I've been pulling for them this year, is BYU. BYU is undefeated. They're 7-0. and They're number nine in the country. They're heading to Boise State. They're a three-point favorite. Boise State is 21 21 in the country, so you got nine at 21. That's one of the few top 25 games we have this week. But it's going to get overlooked because they don't play east of the Mississippi. But that should be a good game. Boise State has looked pretty good this year. Florida State found out last year how good Boise State can be. The game is going to be in Boise, so... Uh, believe it or not, they're saying it's only 67 degrees. I'm surprised by that this time of year, man, you figure it kickoff six 45, uh, local time. You would think you'd be talking about a game in the forties or fifties, maybe even the thirties, but it's going to be nice weather. This is a big, big game for BYU. A big game. Remember they got, they got the entire thing ripped from them this year because they weren't allowed to play teams that they had scheduled because everyone got rid of their out of conference game. Now this may force BYU in the future to say, look, man, we got to get in a conference. I would love to see BYU get into the pack 12. That would be outstanding. Even the big 12. I've always been a little bit of a BYU fan. I think it's just because they always feel like underdogs to me. So it, we actually, it, I would love to see him in the, in the PAC 12. And that's been rumored in the past, but they've always punted on that. They like being an independent, but I would like to see BYU join a conference, a major conference. Don't put them in the freaking big West or something, Put let, let, let's watch a major conference and see what BYU can do. Cause they can usually bring pretty good talent to the table So they have Boise State tonight, and then if they get past that, then they have two games they should be heavily favored in in, uh, I believe it's, what is this, North Alabama, which will be at home against Brigham Young. North Alabama, that should not be a game at all. And then San Diego State, they'll host that as well. San Diego State is a decent program, but BYU should be, I, I would guess around, a seven to 10 point favorite. So this is BYU's last big test. They win this they're They could be on the way to 10 and O and then where do you put them? What if all these teams start getting two, three losses in, in the power five, it's 2020. What the hell put B, put BYU in the playoffs of all the things. I thought we would hear about that. We have not heard about, Why the hell have they talked about expanding the college football playoffs just for this one season? Why can't we go to eight teams? See if we like it. It would make everything so much more fun. Because I don't think we're going to have near the bowl games that we normally have. You take, take the four playoff teams and the games that they will play, I got the over-under on bowl games being played at around 15. I think it's going to be really close one way or the other. I think some of your major bowl games are going to make sure they get played, especially the ones in the South and in the red states that are still open. We got to get rid of this pandemic, by the way, before old old, old Sleepy Joe gets in office because he starts putting lockdowns on the country again. We're not going to have any sports. And then, and then they're gonna find out what riots really are. Hopefully, we there's supposed to be some pretty good news of, from of, of a vaccine pretty soon. So we hope for that and uh, wish for that. They uh, by the way, the stock market's been going through the roof, and the reason why is because uh, the Republicans won the Senate, and it looks like they're going to keep the Senate, and that's key because the Democrats already had the, uh, the house, but they lost, I believe it was seven seats. They lost several seats in the house. So that's going to hurt them getting things pushed through so easily. Cause you have to have a large majority of votes in the house because there's so many members. You can't just have, it, it can't just be pushed through for like one on most instances you you're not just looking at looking for 51% you you, you have to have a lot of these bills and have to have much higher than that, 75% etc. so Republicans gained in the house they gained in the in the or they're holding serve in the senate they lost some seats but they won some seats we talked about Tommy Tuberville yesterday so at this point the what they're looking at is that if Biden does get in, he's just going to be a puppet, a figurehead. He's not going to get a whole hell of a lot done, which he, you know, he didn't the entire time they were in office for eight years. They didn't get anything done. So that's why the stock market's excited because they're looking, okay, these regulations that he thought he was going to be able to overturn, he's just not going to be able to do it. So to clarify why you're like, man, why is the stock market going so high? It's because everyone gets focused on who wins the presidency. You also got to focus on who is going to win the house. Remember checks and balances. Remember that as a kid, uh, let's take an extremely quick break. Cause we're going to talk the big games on Saturday, college football, but we got some good ones and I, I, I just want to circle them real quick as we got, got a lot more to talk about here today. Um, got the nfl in store for you Going to talk a little fantasy football all ahead of that and more we'll be back in about two and two keep it locked in that that's the sound of nyquil severe hard at work nyquil severe is the best sleep with a cold medicine no tossing and turning just rest and recovery so you're ready to take on tomorrow For powerful relief of your worst cold and flu symptoms, try NyQuil Severe. The nighttime sniffling, sneezing, coughing, aching, stuffy head, best sleep with a cold? Medicine. Use as directed. Keep out of reach of children. You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the Farmer's Signal app, and that could get you up to 15% off your auto policy. That's just for using the app and driving like the normal speed-limited hearing, full-stop-making lane-change signaling human being you are. Get a whole lot of something with farmers policy perks. Start with a quote by calling 1 800 FARMERS. We are farmers. Wake up, y'all. It's the Armchair Quarterbacks Wake Up Show. Catch us on CBS Sports, the Armchair Quarterbacks app, free to download on Google, Android, Apple, iPhone, and Facebook Live. We'll get you going in the morning, 8 a.m. Eastern, 7 Central. You can step into the a.m. Weekends in the fall just got a hell of a lot better. Saturday mornings, it's Dixie Football Nation. 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. We talk SEC, ACC, the Big Ten, and more. As the only true Southern football kickoff show on Facebook Live. You don't want to miss it. 8 to 9 Eastern Saturdays. The Armchair Quarterbacks have got you covered all football season long. You're listening to the Armchair Quarterbacks on CBS Sports Radio. You Fight for your right. Welcome back, y'all. Here, the armchair quarterbacks going full bore on you. A little bad obsession for you this morning, as the uh, hopefully this, this this damn election crap comes to an end. Uh, they're expecting to get some results from Nevada today. And then if for some reason it it extends on not knowing who the president was is, excuse me, it could extend all the way until tomorrow. And then, (laughs) and then no matter who wins, here comes the litigation. So we live in this world now, right? Uh, we have not lived in a situation like this since 2020. Remember 2020, excuse me, uh, 2000, t- 20 years ago is what I was trying to say, uh, with the hanging Chad and all that went down with that. And so you're going to hear people from both sides complaining about this, complaining about that. This same junk went on 20 years ago. I was living in Tallahassee, Florida where they were counting the votes. I think that went on for 37 days and it was absurd. And I remember bartending in this this little joint in Hassey and the CNN and Fox News. Fox was fairly new at the time. CNN and Fox News reporters came in there pretty regularly. Uh, some some of them every single day. And I, I I would see them very very regularly, no matter what shift I worked. Because some of them went in there to drink after work, and some of them just went in there to have a cold beer in between going in going back and forth from the courthouse. And then also some, were stopping in for lunch. And we started sitting the Fox news reporters up on the right side of the bar and the CNN reporters over on the left side of the bar. Everyone got a big, big laugh out of it, including the reporters that they were really nice. And, uh, that is the bar that I, that I invented the, the, the shot, the Seminole scream. Um, a lot of good times in that bar. I I remember when I when I developed that shot, the Seminole Scream. The I won't bore you with the details. Of what's in the drink? But it looks like Florsate colors, and it's sweet and it's it's potent and it'll get you. It'll get you going. It was it was it was more of a shooter, and it was a group of girls that that had always sat there at the bar. Uh, that would go out in pregame Friday night before ball games. They are the ones that that came up with the name. I think I was calling it the Seminole shot or something like that. I don't even remember. And one of the girls, she really really bright girl that used to come in there, uh, always really funny. Well, she's the one that came up with the name because she was talking about the logo. Of course, this is the old the the old school Florida State logo and how it always looks like the the, the Seminole. Uh, is, is screaming, you know, chief Osceola is screaming. I guess I never got that when I was a kid. I just always knew the picture. I didn't think about the fact that it, I guess he's supposed to be supposed to be yelling, you know, basically a a war chant or whatnot. And so she, she's the one that, that named it Seminole scream. And then, then it became a running joke and they, and they did it to the Fox and news reporters. This is how I come full circle. They did it to the Fox and news reporters a few times. While While they were there for over a month because they they would come in on Friday nights and start doing the uh, seminal scream shots if any of you fox or or CNN reporters are riding around listening right now and wondering <clears throat> you know what was the name of that I remember we used to get hammered in Tallahassee when I covered the because I'm sure this is coming up I'm the bartender that uh that uh developed that that drink but the running joke was because you always had people wanting to know what was in it. And I would tell the tell the girls that uh, sat there. I was like, I don't want to tell them what's in it because then someone's going to take that to another bar, and away you go. I want it to be my drink, so you have to come to my bar, right? People tried to duplicate it, but they could never figure out what the missing ingredient was. And I, I still haven't told people to this day, you know, mainly because hell, I, I invented it. You know, kick rocks, um, but it looked garnet and gold and whatnot, and it was uh, it was a cool drink. But the people would come in. Ones that are Florida State fans, ones that weren't, but I didn't trust any of them because I didn't know if they're going to go take it to a uh, a neighboring rival bar, and people would come in and they say, "How do you make a Seminole scream?" And without missing a beat, these girls started. If they were sitting there, I would just point. The moment someone said something to the effect of, "How would you make the how would you make a Seminole scream?" I would point to the girls down there at the end of the bar, and every one of them, without missing a beat, would yell out. You let a, and I'm going to clean this up, but you let a GD Gator walk into a room. <laughs> and it, I mean, it's out of doubt every single time. No, seriously. What's in it? How do you make a Seminole scream? And I would point you let a GD Gator walk into the effing room. Sometimes they they would throw effing, but anyways, uh, good times back then. Good times. Uh, some college football. We, we'll finish more of this up on the other side of the break. Cause I'm, up against time, but, uh, some of the games that, you know, you really got to look at Saturday morning that are going to be, we're going to talk Florida, Georgia on the other side of the break, but Michigan goes to Indiana. I think Michigan essentially sunk themselves by getting that loss. Now, who knows if Michigan could run the table, they've got a way to walk their way back into it. So it's not over for Wolverine fans. So don't give up quite yet. You have to run the table to be able to win the Big Ten, and that's really what you're playing for this year. But let's say there are a decent amount of bowl games played. Then you have a chance to be in a good bowl game if you run the table or go 8-2, and 7-3. and three. They're at Indiana. Indiana's undefeated. Remember, Indiana got that controversial win against Penn State they're the most unlikely team that could sneak into the playoffs, but they are 2 and 0. They've got a big W already. Could Indiana be a team looking at going forward? You know, re- you know, remember Indiana, they are see they are leading right now along with Ohio State over in the East. It's a damn shame that at least Indiana's not over in the West. They have got nothing over in the West. I mean, the Big Ten's got to clear this up. They have got nothing over there. They have got to reshuffle this deck. No matter how long we play Big Ten football, Wisconsin is by far going to be the best program over there. You're going to get Iowa from time to time. Minnesota is going to be good from time to time. Okay, we get that, especially if they can keep Fleck in in uh, in Minnesota. But Northwestern, Purdue, Nebraska, Illinois, those are all duds year in and year out. I get it that Purdue's two and oh, they haven't played anyone yet. They have got to reshuffle this. To have Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State, Michigan all over in the east is absurd. They should bust that bust that up. Put Ohio State and Penn State over in the east and put Michigan State and Michigan over in the west. I don't care what it looks like on the map. You need to have a better chance, or hell, if you really want to keep Michigan and Ohio State in the same division, I get that so that their game always means a lot and you don't get them playing each other back-to-back. Then put Ohio State and Michigan in one and put Penn State, Michigan State... And I'll say Indiana. Indiana's had had a pretty good program here recently. And that's what the way they should do it with these college divisions. Mix it up. Just because it's always been one way for 20-something, 30 years, whatever the hell it is since your conferences came about, about, doesn't mean that that's the way you should keep it. The ACC's done a terrible job about this too. ACC needs to get Miami and Florida State in the same con- in the same division put them on the other side of Clemson so you have a good chance in most years that Miami or Florida State could end up playing Clemson in the in the uh, ACC championship game it makes it more exciting if you knew Florida State in the years that they're good could be on a collision course with Clemson that would make it more exciting for the ACC done a terrible job with that I don't know why the ACC has not pulled their head out of their ass on that one let's take a quick break when we come back we're going to talk some more college football Uh, a big game that's going under the radar of an undefeated team heading into a hornet's nest in the ACC and it's an unlikely character We'll we'll be back here in a flash here on the armchair quarterbacks keep it locked in here on CBS sports radio CBS Sports Radio! You're listening to the Armchair Quarterbacks on CBS Sports Radio, number one sports station. Good morning, and this is your Armchair Quarterbacks Sports Flash. Here are your betting lines out in the desert for tonight's football action in college. The Wyoming Cowboys are a four-point favorite at Colorado State. The over-under is 52 and a half. Utah State is getting 17 at the Nevada Wolf Pack. The over-under is 56. And in the NFL, Thursday night football, it's the Green Bay Packers giving up six and a half on the road to the San Francisco 49ers who are battered and bruised. The over-under is 49 and a half. The NBA owners and NBA players association will hold separate meetings on Thursday, expected to result in an agreement to start the 2020-2021 season in the NBA, playing a reduced 72-game schedule on December 22nd. The NBA Players Association is planning to take a formal vote late Thursday, and sources say that everything is progressing towards an agreement for a pre-Christmas start to the season. If an agreement cannot be reached, it looks like the NBA is willing to force the NBPA into a 50-game schedule beginning sometime around mid-January. Free agent, right-handed pitcher Trevor Bauer has rejected the Cincinnati Reds' 18.9 million qualifying offer for the 2021 season. However, quote, Bauer remains open to discussing a return to Cincinnati and all other interested teams through free agency, unquote. Bauer's agent commented, on Tuesday. Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver Antonio Brown expressed gratitude Wednesday for the opportunity to rejoin a team after a year and a half away from football. Quote, being away from the game for a year and a half, just to be able to be a part of the process, to be out there with the guys today, was surreal. Something I don't take for granted. Something I have great appreciation for. Unquote. The Bucks and Saints do battle Sunday night at 820. And that's your armchair quarterback's wake-up show, CBS Sports Flash. Stay tuned for more of the Armchair Quarterbacks on these CBS affiliates, our Facebook Live, and the Armchair Quarterbacks app. Tap that app today. Play for the love of the game, man. What's wrong with you, bro? Money should not be a thing. Bro, I'm risking my life. If I get the Rona, guess what happens with that? Like, bro, I'm not playing unless I get mine. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. my new giza dream bed sheets are made with this long staple cotton and i guarantee they'll be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own The first night you sleep on my sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else. All you need to do is go to MyPillow.com, promo code armchair. That's MyPillow.com, use the promo code armchair. Or call 1-800-319-7392. The number is 1-800-319-7392. Remember, promo code armchair to get the best deal around. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, MyPillow.com Big news and the big games covered in the Big Ten by the armchair quarterbacks all year long. Third down and about 22. As Smith drops the throw, he's got his tight end open, but he's got Carter downfield, and he's gone! Michigan leads the game with a first touchdown on a bullet, a bomb to Carter. 71 yards! State's lead 7 to 3. There he goes. No so long. Ohio State touchdown. That's that old one-two punch you take to him the first time and then have it. Oh, in his career, Lorenzo White 15 times rushed for 100 yards in a half. Five of those this season. On second and ten. Long, well, long well, throw to Rison, and he's open. Six-yard line! Big Ten football covered in the Southeast by the Armchair Quarterbacks. Gets the Armchair Quarterbacks right here on CBS Sports Radio. The Armchair Quarterbacks, your first choice for sports here on the First Coast. This portion of the show is being brought to you by the best things in life, which are still free with minimum purchase at participating dealers. Hi, this is Britney Spears. What up, what up, this is Jay-Z. This is Jennifer Lopez, armchair. It looks like you're going to have to guzzle your juice down without any ice. Pretend, um, you know, pretend it's gin. What's gin? Gin is an alcoholic beverage which if your mommy's strong genes are any indication, you'll eventually learn to love as it slowly destroys a giant portion of your adult life. I figured I'd need about a buy six of Miller and one of them things so I wouldn't spill her. And I asked the girl if the beer was in the back. She said the job tail, no beer, no liquor for miles around. Welcome back here, the armchair four, quarterbacks. Four, two, Talk about being under the thumb of the government. Has any of y'all ever lived in a dry town? Ugh, brutal. Brutal. I did for a very, very short time years and years ago. I don't know if they're still dry, but uh, Cookville, Tennessee used to be a dry town. You could get it by the drink out in a restaurant. They just recently started that. This is early 90s when I lived up there. And... Man, it didn't take long for me to get the hell out of there. I, I think I was up there three or four months, and I figured out a way out of there. <laughs> I paid off the rest of my rent, and I said, I'm out! I, I was, like, tw- very early 20s. I I was of drinking age, and I was very distraught that I had to drive two to three towns over to be able to go to a bar, which you think about as dangerous as hell. There was no Uber back then. You don't want to be out there driving around hammered, going through two towns, so... And you couldn't get out there. You could not get a taxi cab out that far. So you'd always have to try to figure out who the hell the designated driver was. So that was a mess. So, yeah, I I got the hell out of there. I think they might, at this point, have it where you can purchase it. But you could not purchase it. You had to go to, I think it was something like Gainesville, Tennessee. It was something of that nature. It was something where I I know I didn't like the name. So I'm pretty, i, I I'm almost positive it was Gainesville, Tennessee. And you had to drive out there to be able to just buy liquor or beer or whatever. I, you might've been able to buy beer in that town, but you could not buy liquor and you could not buy it at bars. If there was a restaurant, you could go into like an Applebee's at the time and have a beer, but that was it. And it was, it didn't take me long to get my aspect to, to a middle Tennessee, Murfreesboro, Nashville area. So I could, you know, you know, I like to kick my heels up every once in a while, man. You can't be suppressing me. (laughs) I was like, no, get me the hell out of here. I think when my buddy sold me on me moving up there because he he needed a roommate. And at the time, uh, the, the girl I was dating, her and I had just broken up and I was looking for a place to live. Uh, we, we were leaving our apartment. She was going her way and I was going the other I think how he sold it to me was, hey, it's a college town, da-da-da-da-da, you know, a lot of women and partying and whatnot. And I got up there, and I was like, y-y-y. well, you failed to mention the fact that you can't go drinking anywhere unless you go to, like, you know, if you went to a frat house or something. But we weren't going to that specific school. So, yeah, I was like, dude, you've lost your brain, man. I'm getting the hell out of here. I think, I think he ended up following me back to the middle of Tennessee about a month or two after I left. You are basically showing him going, "Yeah, man, uh, that was rough." <laughs> the hell with Cookville. I'm trying to remember what that is up there. If that is it, I don't think that's Austin P. I'll, I'll have to look that up on the break. Uh, anyways, have y'all seen everyone patting Antonio Brown on the back and saying how a good boy he's being, and how he's sounding normal in his interviews, and how he's not sounding crazy. There's two things. First of all, I don't buy it for, for a minute and he's still extremely illiterate. I think if the guy would just read and maybe educate himself in just the grand scheme of the world, we, he, he wouldn't have these problems. I think he's a guy that got through life because he's extremely talented wide receiver. But you listen to him talk, Ben. There is not an intelligent thought process that comes out of his mouth. I'm not saying he's even dumb. There are very smart people who are just not very articulate. But he's got to find a way to start speaking. I mean, my God, man, you're 32 years old. Quit walking around like you got marbles in your damn mouth. So there's that. And then the other, this is just funny. He's attributing it to the fact that he's been being mentored by Tony Robbins, yeah, that Tony Robbins, the self-help guru. I mean, I honestly, I've always thought Tony Robbins, the junk that he does, where he charges you a hundred dollars to come in and tell you that you that you are a good person and live your life better. I always thought that was like, that's the stupidest thing. It's right up there with the uh, evangelical, uh, you know shysters. And I'm not talking about every single priest or preacher that gets up there. I'm talking about the ones that are on television that you're basically, you send me a hundred dollars and you're going to heaven. That, those type of people. That's what Tony Robbins is. Tony Robbins is just a freaking, he, I mean, look, let's call a spade a spade. Tony Robbins is a con man. And this is what Antonio Brown is listening to at this point. So how long is that going to help? I didn't even know Tony Robbins was, was 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 still popular, but evidently he's still packing arenas. They were saying this morning there's some kind of Netflix special that you can watch. I'm gonna kind of I, I'm kind of interested. I think I'm gonna watch it later on this afternoon, uh, or at least get a get an idea of what it is. Um, if it you know if I, if I click on that damn thing six hours long, I might just watch fifteen minutes of it. But evidently he's still packing arenas, and I cannot believe that people are. I mean, good for him, man. And look, con men. Look, dude. If you could pull that junk off, good for you. I'm not hating on you. I'm hating on the people who are stupid enough to give you their money. To you, I. You have to pay someone a hundred dollars to go in and say you're a good person. You're, you. I don't remember the character's name, but do you remember uh, Saturday Night Live where the? I, th- well, I want to say it was his name was Stuart Smiley, something like that, and he would sit in front of the mirror. And he would say, you're a good person and and people like you. I always remember that one because there's a really funny one uh, where they do Michael Jordan hosted Saturday Night Live and Michael Jordan's in the mirror with them. And it is hysterical. It is absolutely hysterical. I'm surprised I haven't used that as an intro to the show, but it might, it's been a while since I've seen it. It might be one of those things where it's only as funny if you actually are watching it. I try to find the clips that are funny hearing it. That was one of those things watching Michael Jordan acting like, I forget who this guy's name was, Stuart Smiley or something like that. Anyways, he, he was a real putz and his whole thing was self-help book or whatever. And, uh, anyways, this is why in what I envision, of Tony Robbins, and when I heard this this morning, I was like, I envisioned Tony Robbins and Antonio Brown sitting in front of the mirror with each other smiling, saying, you're a good person. People like you. I'm so just like, oh, my God. You got that, you got Tom Brady, over there eating avocado ice cream. And meanwhile, back at the ranch, Gronk is going to every keg party, you know, screaming toga, toga, toga. So, and, why is no one doing a documentary on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 2020 locker room? That's what I would like to know. I would watch the hell out of that. That's a train wreck just waiting to happen. And And also, don't forget... People are forgetting about this. Look, I picked up Antonio Brown in a lot of my fantasy football leagues because I think they are going to use him quite a bit. I think it's going to cause dissension in the locker room between Godwin and Evans. If it gets them a Super Bowl and gets them winning, there probably won't be as much dissension. But those are two really good receivers, all pro receivers. They're going to get ticked off about the fact that there's only one football that can go around. So he's going to try to make Antonio Brown happy because Antonio Brown signed a one-year deal and Antonio Brown wants to make as many yards as he can so he can go get that one final paycheck because next year he'll be 33. He's already looked upon as, you know, damaged goods so to speak. People are kind of scared to to sign him. He's he wants to put big numbers up, okay? So put that part aside. And put apart the side that the other receivers are going to start getting jealous if they're not getting their fair due. But there's only one football and then you got Gronk. And Gronk's actually a pretty good team player. You don't, you never hear him gripe about not scoring. Gronk will make jokes if he doesn't make a catch. What was it? I heard him in week three or four after a game where he didn't make a catch or he might have one catch for six yards or whatever it was. And he jokingly said in his post-game interview, he said, well, you know, the thing is they, they brought me over here for my blocking ability. He just sat there and smiled and laughed. But I, think, I don't think Gronk gives a damn about his stats. First of all, Gronk knows that for tight end numbers, he's already put them up. He's going to the Hall of Fame. There's no way Gronk doesn't go to the Hall of Fame. Gronk would have to do something way out of character to get himself not put in the Hall of Fame. He'd have to go on like a mental mental rant, you know, a mental patient rant like Kurt uh, Schilling did that has gotten him in bad favor with people, and that's why they won't vote for him. I still say you vote the player in if he was a great player. You may not like what he did or who he's about post career, but you vote the guy in for what he did. You don't care about someone's politics, etc. If they're a great player, there's a lot of people that don't like LeBron James as a person. That doesn't mean you don't vote the guy in for the hall of fame. I mean, quit being so petty America, but anyways, um, give it three or four weeks and see what this is going to be like, because here's the other thing. This is the dark cloud that's looming over this that no one's really talking about. He has a civil suit due in December. Now, I'm not sure of the chronology of it and when it's actually going to hit. But when that civil suit hits, if it's short, short enough, and he f- is found guilty in that civil suit, there's a good chance another suspension's coming. And so that is – that's the other thing – You would think it's over because he got the eight game suspension, but they have worded it in his coming back that if he is not found guilty, well, to be found guilty in civil suits is a hell of a lot easier than getting found guilty in an actual criminal suit. So for instance, most of the, one of the most famous ones in the history of, of all, uh, Mankind, much less American law. We all remember that O.J. Simpson was exonerated of charges in the death of Nicole Simpson, right? And whatever her boyfriend's name was. I can't remember her boyfriend's name. But anyways, he was found out not, not guilty. Everyone raised hell about it, but whatever, he was found not guilty. The civil suit found him guilty and his estate had to pay Buku's of money. I don't even remember the, the number, so I'm not going to tell you millions because I don't remember if it was millions. It was definitely hundreds of thousands. I believe it was millions, but don't quote me on that. That he had to pay N- Nicole Brown Simpson's family and the boyfriend that was killed uh, at the same time. Um, so, or the presumed boyfriend. What the The couple was split up. They were no longer together. And anyways, we're not going to drag that thing out. Jesus, they'd make six documentaries about it last year. I'm not going back into it this year. Um, but my point is he's going up against civil suits. I believe that it's plural. I believe it's two about whether or not he did or did not sexually assault these women. If he's found guilty in these and has to pay one red dime, that's, he could get suspended for this year. It also could affect him for next year if he gets dragged out. So, the long-term ramifications for the Buccaneers could be huge. They could add Antonio Brown this weekend and really start looking good and get rolling. And then four or five weeks later, a civil suit comes in six weeks, seven weeks, whatever, before the end of the season. And the, and you get, at that point, could be your best player on on the field get taken away from you again. And, oh, by the way, along the way, you're pissing off your other receivers. I was a little surprised that Tampa was the one that, that signed him. And then in other ways, I wasn't because Tom Brady, he does, he, Tom Brady will sell his soul. And he does not care. He wants to win another championship. And so getting Antonio Brown out there and making them, basically impossible to defend. Put put the receivers aside. Put away the fact that they've got a pretty good tight end core, even with the loss of O.J. Howard. Ronald Jones the third, Rojo as they call him, and Leonard Fournette, that's a pretty nasty combination too, my friend. And the offensive line's playing much better. That defense is starting to play lights out. They struggled a little bit against New York. But look, they gave up twenty three points and two of them were caused by one was caused by the, the other one was caused by bad, uh, field position on a terrible penalty. The Bucks defense is playing very good. And in this day and age, they're playing well enough to win the super bowl. Remember the chiefs defense was not the 86 giants last year. You just have to be pretty darn good and get some stops and let your offense do its thing. So Tampa Bay is going to be nasty to deal with going forward. Um also By the way in that game Saints Bucks, I think the Bucks do get vengeance. I do think they win the game. I think the over/under is a little high. The last time that I saw the over/under um I'm gonna double check it real quick so I'm not talking out of my proverbial, you know what. Um uh, they the over-under on that game is by the way, tonight's over-under is 48.5 minus seven and a half for the Packers. it's uh, moved up to seven and a half. The over-under in that game is fifty-one and a half. The Bucks are four and a half point favorites. That's pretty high scoring. They're basically saying that Tampa Bay is gonna win like 28-24. That's fairly high scoring in a game that I think you got too much better defenses playing right now. I think New Orleans will play it close to the vest. Tim Bay's going to try to move the ball, but how, you know, how effective is AB going to be first game back? They're going to have games drawn up for, plays drawn up for him, but how effective is he going to be? Bruce Arians wouldn't even comment how many plays he would, he would go. I think you'll see him out there for about 30 plays which is a decent amount for a first game guy who hasn't played essentially in a year and a half. Essentially he hasn't played in over two years, but uh, a year and a half. He did play the one game with the Patriots last year. And then as soon as the, the issues hit, he was uh, cut again by the Patriots. I just say, I, I really feel like, I, I, I know I've beaten that, to a pulp this week, but I I think that's a really, really, really high over under for a game that I could see finishing like 20 to 17, 51 and a half is high. Uh, Real quick. I told you I was going to get you caught up on, on the EPL. So let's go ahead and hit that real quick before we get back into college football. Uh, If you haven't been paying attention, it's been pretty fascinating in the team standings, the table, as they call it, Liverpool has, who obviously are favorites. Once again, they have a one point lead over Leicester city. Tottenham is hanging in there, man. Tottenham is playing well, 14 points. And then there are a slew of teams within about three points. You got Arsenal in there. You got the Wolverhampton wanderers. Uh, I really think that's a really cool name. I'm not a fan of them, but I I do tend to watch, watch them and they do play a, a good brand of soccer. But today, there are games in the UEFA League, and the UEFA League today. See, I believe it's one. I've got it here somewhere. the 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 UEFA League, as they say. Um, here it is, Thursday. Anyways, it's it's here somewhere. Damn it! I don't know where it is, but there. But the UEFA league was, uh, here it goes. Okay. Finally get, get you caught up on this real quick. Um, yesterday I'll go ahead and hit those scores for you. You've got a man city lost, uh, some of these teams I'm not familiar with. Um, because all they do is they throw their, their emblem up there. Uh, Dortmund did one from the Bundesliga. They won. And I want to say there's games. I thought it was today, but maybe it's tomorrow. Um, anyways, I know the Tottenham hotspurs are playing today at, at 12 55, I believe it is. And I believe you can find that on ESPN plus. So there you have that. And going on from that, let's get back into college football. Uh, by the way, the MLS is coming to an end. The MLS is coming to an end their last game of their season is this weekend or uh this this Sunday and they ironically the final game of the season this Sunday is Nashville versus uh Orlando Orlando City's in they've got their third right now i think that's about as high as they can go they'll they'll get the 3 seed remember 10 teams are getting into the playoffs right now Nashville is their number eight. They're getting in. I don't think they, well, they, they could get up to the seven seed, but right now they're 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 right now. They're tied for seventh against the Red Bulls. If they were to beat Orlando, they would get up to the seven seed. They cannot catch new England. So that's, that's the cutoff. So really what they're playing for this weekend is between The seven seed and the six seed. Not that that's a big deal one way or the other, but that's the, you know, that's where we have the games last night, by the way, Orlando city did win. They beat Columbus, Nashville lost. So we get ready for the playoffs, which will begin next week. And we won't know the the seedings and, and the times and whatnot. They're not re, uh, releasing that until Sunday night. The game, I would think, the first game is going to be probably Wednesday. Could could they, they could put a couple games on Tuesday, but I think Wednesday is probably the sweet spot. They might even wait till closer to the weekend. And getting back into college football, real quick, um, you know, the, the Florida Georgia game is three thirty kickoff, and Hold on a second. I got to do something. I apologize, but my damn chair, I don't know if y'all could notice it, but if you go back and watch the replay of this, my chair was slowly popping down on me. I don't know why it's doing that. I don't know what the hell I've done to my chair, but it's no—it's recently, it's it's doing that. And we think there's, there's something that I'm hitting and bumping on, but it's going boop, 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 boop. And so I had to go off screen there for one second so I could put it back up, but... It was annoying the hell of me. I felt like I was sitting at the kids' table. Uh, Back to the Florida-Georgia game. Florida-Georgia, 3.30 kickoff. I'm glad they at least kept it traditional at 3.30. There was a couple of years in the 90s when they weren't very good, and they had it at like a night game. And that was just terrible. I don't care what the records are. Florida, Georgia should always be three thirty kickoff or even four o'clock on SEC network if they're both of them are terrible one year. But that game is usually the iconic game in the SEC. And so I'm I'm glad to see that it's three thirty kickoff. Florida, I'm gonna check the check the line real quick, but Florida has been consistently three and a half points all week long. And I keep expecting it to go down. I keep expecting people to jump on the Florida bandwagon as far as putting money down. And let me see where it is this morning. It's still three and a half. It's unbelievable. 52 and a half to me is the ridiculous one. I just feel like it's going to be a lower scoring game. A slobber knocker. Georgia's offense is not that dynamic and Florida's offense is going to get stymied by the Georgia front seven. They're going to get pressure on Trask. I'm not going to say that there's not going to be some dynamic plays, but man, to get to 52 and a half points, how's, how's Georgia going to move the ball? They score 14 on Kentucky last week. I think if Georgia wins, it's like 20-14. to 14. I think if Florida wins, it's like 24-20. I think is going to be doing well to score 20 points, and if Florida can get over 20, they're going to get the win. But that's going to be the question. Can Florida get past the 20 mark? Because that Georgia defense is for real. Um, I, uh, I feel like that the Florida-Georgia game, the winner here wins the SEC East. And they're going to put it on cruise control the rest of the year. Here's the dangerous part for Florida, though. If they beat Georgia, they've got a dangerous game at the end of the season at Tennessee. That Justin keeps talking about. Okay, that's a game they could lose. But in the grand scheme of it, is that the game that Florida Gators fans should be, quote unquote, scared of? Tennessee in Knox, uh, excuse me. The Tennessee game being played in Knoxville in December. What if it's unreasonably warm? Here's what I see could be the tripping up next week. They're at home against Arkansas. Arkansas played pretty good football. If they get the win against Georgia, they got to make sure they don't fall asleep at the wheel. Then after that, they get a break because they're going to play Vanderbilt in, Van- in Nashville. Vanderbilt's terrible. Vanderbilt just shouldn't even be in college football. There's always arguments on whether or not they should be the Southeastern Conference, and I always have to r- remind people Vanderbilt's there to help keep your GPA up because the rest of the SEC is a bunch of knuckle draggers. <laughs> they they <don't laughs> the SEC's there to play football. They don't give they don't give two craps about academia, but but Vanderbilt keeps their keeps their uh, their average up. I just almost wonder Vanderbilt should fold the football program. They won't because they make money off it because they're in the sec, but they, that football program is terrible. It's really bad this year. After that, Florida will play Kentucky and then Tennessee, the games that I would be more concerned about if I'm a Gator fan, and they beat Georgia, is the Arkansas game and the Kentucky game because they're at home. You you could be falling asleep a little bit. First of all, the crowds are not as big as they have been in the past for obvious reasons. You could have a letdown after Georgia playing Arkansas. You could also have a look ahead going to Tennessee because the week before you're playing at home against Kentucky. And so the Gator fans – Oh, and oh, by the way, at the end of the year, they play LSU. And at one point, we thought that might be interesting. I think LSU is going to be just atrocious. They're going to be flat-out atrocious. So I don't think LSU is even much of an issue at all for Florida. I will say that Tennessee should give them a better game than LSU because LSU's defense, they're going to get shredded by Trask. If Trask is still in the conversation for the Heisman Trophy, he'll be able to put an exclamation point on on it against the LSU defense. Moving on from that, you got Pittsburgh and Florida state at four o'clock. And we look forward to that. Uh, Florida state was off last week. So FSU fans have, can quickly have forgotten how bad this team is. And they, we get excited again, going into week number, well, I don't know what week it is in college football. That's too confusing because they all start on different weeks. But for Florida State, it is their seventh game of the season. They're sitting at two and four. If they were to get the win, they could get to 500 before they play Clemson, which is most likely a loss. And then they could, in theory, get a winning record this year. But there's there is no room for error at this point now. If you're going to have a winning record, Florida state, you've got to beat Pittsburgh and then you're going to go to NC state. You got to get that W, which is never an easy game. And it's a night game. I'm seeing that right now. That's already been determined as a night game. They never play well nighttime in, in a Raleigh. Then they play Clemson. That's going to be an absolute disaster. Um, Clemson, by the way, I we'll get into predictions on that on, on the Saturday morning show. But Florida State's got a decent chance of winning that game. Clemson, I'm looking at their schedule, and I, th- I must have misread it. They've got a week off in between Notre Dame and Florida State. So that must be another reason why Trevor Lawrence is being held out. I think he's being held up because Clemson is hedging their bet, so to speak. They are going to win no matter what happens in that game. Because if they lose, they have an excuse a built-in COVID excuse. In 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 years past, they would say, "Man, next man up." Da 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 da. Now you got the COVID excuse, and you'll get writers and people in that room in the in the uh, in the in the committee to have sympathy for anyone with a COVID excuse because it's it's the new invoked thing. So Clemson's sitting Lawrence because they don't have to win that game. They are also now it came out Clemson not only are they missing linebacker James Skalski, which we already knew that, but uh defensive tackle Tyler Davis and linebacker Mike Jones are going to be missing. So they're they're missing a ton. A ton of talent. And yet you look at the at the line double check and make sure it hasn't moved since I looked at it about a half hour ago. Uh, the line right now for that game, oh, they've actually taken it off the board. No, it's back. They have this at eight 30. I don't think that's right. I, I don't think they're playing that late, but they have it at eight 30 Eastern. Um, seems really late unless that's what Notre Dame decided to do. They would have the right as they are the home team. So I believe that game will be, I believe that game will be on NBC but it is still five and a half Clemson. I am surprised that that is not more of a pick with all the injuries that Clemson has is Clemson still good. Yeah. Are they still really good? Yeah. Did, th- did their new quarterback look good? Sure. But I'd be a little gun shy taking Clemson minus the five and a half. I also haven't been super impressed with Notre Dame. It's been it's been in pockets. Notre Dame has had good games, but it's been within pockets, so it's really really difficult to look at Notre Dame. And you know, last week, sure, last week they won thirty one thirteen. It was but it was against Georgia Tech. We know Georgia Tech's not any good. Um. And yes, that's coming from a Florida State guy who watched Georgia Tech beat Florida State, but Florida State's not any good either. Uh, Pitt, they destroyed Pitt, but they struggled mightily against Louisville. Even Florida State put points up on Louisville. They they only scored twelve. So I I think Notre Dame is probably going to win that game, but I. I'm going to do a little more research before I make my predictions on that, but you can't keep losing guy after guy after guy. Even with the way Ugalele came in and played, was, he had, I think he had 342 yards passing three total touchdowns. I believe two were passing one were, was rushing. But well, that's against Boston College. Boston College is playing better football than they have in years past, but they're still not a formidable opponent. Not compared to what Notre Dame is. So I just, I wonder, is this just a huge Clemson bias in the, in the betting world? Normally, Notre Dame gets, the, get, gets the, the nod. No matter what those Catholics tell you, man, they gamble, and they put a lot of money on Notre Dame. But... Notre Dame, a home team. I don't think I have ever seen Notre Dame as a home team in my lifetime being ranked in the top five in the country. And they're a touchdown underdog. They may have been a slight underdog to Florida State in 93. I don't remember. I feel like that was a pick em. Notre Dame might even have been favored by a field goal. The spread wasn't much either way because it was number one versus number two, and it was a huge hype game. Um, that's the only game I could think that they would even been an underdog. But to be an, a six-point underdog, essentially, a touchdown underdog, at home, undefeated, no major injury, that just tells you if you're a Notre Dame fan, there is no respect given to the fighting Irish. They're going to have to beat Clemson. If they squeak out a win and then get boat raced in the ACC championship game when Trevor Lawrence is back, they're not going to make the playoffs. They need to win Saturday and then bare minimum have a close loss to Clemson on December 19th when when they get to the ACC title game. Because I don't see how the two of them don't end up back back playing each other again. Knowing how good these two teams were and knowing you were going to have an ACC championship game and knowing the way that you were going to set it up, I'm sorry. But they shouldn't have had them play each other in the regular season. They should have built this up to a crescendo for the ACC title game. It's not like this this schedule was made years in advance. We knew what we were looking at this year. And you gave Notre Dame a very easy ACC schedule. They did not have to play some of the bigger names. Now, maybe that was a part of the negotiation. Maybe they wanted to play Clemson. Maybe they wanted to play him in in Notre Dame so that it would be on the NBC network. I don't know. I've always said that Notre Dame, if they were to get into another conference, one of the chips that they could bargain their way in with is, we'll come to your conference, we'll split other money, but we want to keep our television money. We want to be our home games, we want Notre Dame football to be on NBC. And I think the ACC would make those accommodations. I think they would say, okay, but your road games are going to be in our contract. And then obviously all your other sports will continue to be under our contracts. So you only lose six to seven football games a year but you get them in in your conference and away you go. I think that's the way you sell Notre Dame football to, or excuse me, conference football to Notre Dame. Let's take a quick break. We're going to put a cap on this show, put a lid on this show, and uh, we're going to talk a little NFL and get you ready for tonight. We'll be back in a flash here on the Armchair Quarterbacks. Keep it locked in here to CBS Sports Radio. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay, drown her out with a 200 mile per hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. Oh, what are you doing, Snuggle? Snuggle. Snuggle- I am so out of here. Wait. Come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Armchair. At Shell, we know from the time you get up to the time you wrap up, there's a lot of meetups, eatups, and hurryups. So come to Shell and get three things done at once. Fill up with Shell V Power Nitro Plus to help keep your engine running like new. Save up with the fuel rewards program and never pay full price for gas again. And snack up with in-store rewards to save even more at the pump. Make the most of the stop you need to make with Shell and engines that continuously use Shell V-Power Nitro Plus premium gasoline. See full terms and conditions at FuelRewards.com. It's supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Even though the- you're listening to the Armchair Quarterbacks on CBS Sports Radio. We're here weekdays, drive times. Your first choice for sports talk here on the first coast. We live in a world now that welcomes and nurtures the screwball in all of us. Hey, it's a new decade, people. Time to get a little nutty. Treat yourself to screwball peanut butter whiskey, a smooth flavor that combines two of America's favorites, peanut butter and American whiskey. So no more social awkwardness. Time to embrace who you truly are. Get out there and make friends. And be sure it starts with screwball peanut butter whiskey. It's available nearly everywhere. Learn more at screwballwhiskey.com. Invidium Spirits. Please enjoy responsibly. Positive that nobody will want to listen to this. Back here quarterbacks. I don't know why this song cracks me up. I really don't know why. It's goofy, it's stupid, shot. but Something's it, it makes me—it makes me laugh. These uh, are still alive, these songs. There's that other one. I—I I, I, I guess I'll play it tomorrow. There's another one that makes me laugh. I haven't played in a while. I'm not even sure if I've played it in an entirety on air, but it's it's really, really funny. Uh, let's go ahead and put a cap on today because, look, we've got the, the 49ers and Green Bay, okay? This weekend, you know, we talked about Florida-Georgia being a big game. We'll get into that big time with Tony Aguilera tomorrow. Uh, he's been to every single one, I believe, since the early 80s since he was a young kid. So have a lot of fun with that. I'm not sure if he's going to it this year. I assume, I assume that he is, but I, I haven't heard him say that Pittsburgh FSU. We talked about that. That should be a big game, by the way, that's going to be at four o'clock. So that'll be going on the same time as Florida, Georgia, which is a good thing. Florida state fans. Cause you won't have people focusing on how bad we might look out there. I hope Jordan Travis is healthy and ready to roll and FSU's offense looks good. And, Maybe they won't even have to face Pritchett. I think Pritchett is going to be back, though. It sounds sounds like he is. If he's back, uh, he is an NFL prospect. He is a good quarterback. They're going to struggle against him. And then Nebraska-Northwestern, I, I think that's going to get under the radar a little bit. But Nebraska-Northwestern Saturday, I believe it's Saturday night, that game. Nebraska has not played since they got drubbed by Ohio State. Believe that I believe it's because they were on Wisconsin's schedule and Wisconsin's been canceling games left and right. They're going to play undefeated Northwestern. We're going to find out what Northwestern's about if they get that win, man. Northwestern starts putting their name in the hat for possibly getting to the Big Ten Championship game because remember, if Wisconsin has one more game canceled they will be ineligible for the Big Ten championship. And that's as serious a, as you can put it. They that, that That is how they put it out there. They The Big Ten commissioner, whether you like them or not, Warren uh, has stated it in stone that if you don't play at least six of the, I believe eight games is what the Big Ten had originally scheduled, if you don't play at least six of those games, we can't put you in the Big Ten championship, which means – Ohio State, in all likelihood, Ohio State would be facing anyone but Northwestern. They'd love that. I mean, excuse me, anyone but Wisconsin. They'd love that. They'd love to play at Northwestern. But it would be exciting for the Northwestern fan base and people in the Chicago area to see Northwestern do that well. Stanford and Oregon, they also play on Saturday. And the game that I alluded to earlier that is not getting a lot of pub, but it's interesting to me undefeated, number 25 in the country, Liberty. They're 6-0. They're going to be at Virginia Tech. And I want to see that game. I believe it's at noon. I want to watch that game because I want to see. I'm not putting any money on it. I want to see how good Liberty really is against a decent college football program. This is not one of the better Virginia Tech teams. We know that. But you're going into Blacksburg. I don't even know if they have have fans allowed there because it is the state of Virginia and they are uh, on lockdown like you wouldn't believe. so I would think they're they, I would think they don't even have fans, but they might regardless, they're going to be playing good athletes. And I want to see what Liberty has always go into these open-minded. And I said that if the Chanticleers, I affectionately called them the Chandeliers. If Coastal Carolina was undefeated, I don't know if y'all remember me saying this, but I said, look, if they're undefeated going into November, we're gonna put something in studio for the Chanticleers. And if you look, oh pivoted the wrong way if you look in studio that is a flag for the Chanticleers. hangs over my my right shoulder it looks like my left if you're looking at this on zoom facebook so uh, that's what's hanging over my shoulder now is uh coastal carolina i'm all in i'll pull for them assuming the assuming that they're, they're not playing my boys but uh exciting brand of football man they blew the doors Off of Georgia State. Was it 51 to nothing? I think is what it was. It was absurd. That was a three point minus three was the uh, was the point spread. There were many people picking upsets in that game. And 51 to nothing, and it wasn't that close. Coastal Carolina took took the foot off the gas early fourth quarter. I was watching that game. I took the under, barely banged the under because they eventually the clock ran out. But I took the under because I thought it was going to be a a close game. I thought Coastal Carolina would win like 28 to 20. Not 51 to nothing. They're good. They're really good. Looking at the NFL this weekend. Texans-Jags. You know, Josh McCown has been uh, signed by the Texans. I don't know what sparked that. They do have a backup to Deshaun Watson, but teams can 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 sign you off other teams uh, practice squads. He'd been on Philadelphia's practice squad basically mentoring Carson Wentz. Josh McCown y'all is 41 years old. He was the oldest or is the oldest practice player to ever play in the NFL on the practice squad. In other words, anyone who's 41 years old in the NFL, they usually have a starting job because they're at the end and there's a reason why you're keeping them on. Philly was essentially grooming him as a coach. He'll probably end up back, not just in coaching, but I think he'll end up back on Doug Peterson's staff in the very near future. Um, we talked about AB's presence with the with the Bucks. It should be unbelievable. Yeah. Um, Seahawks-Bills, that's another game that I think is going under the radar. I think that's going to be a fun game to watch. I do like the Bills in that game right now. Assuming we don't see injuries, etc., cetera, pop up, I think the Bills are going to get them. Uh, and then Ravens-Colts, that's way under the radar because no one's taking the Colts serious. But look, the game's in Indianapolis. If the Ravens were to lose, that'd be an issue. It'd be an issue. Be an issue for all involved because if the Colts found a way to beat Baltimore, Tennessee has to go to Baltimore in a few weeks. You know, the Ravens have that game circled. So, with that being said, that's going to be a very difficult game for Tennessee to pull a W off. If the Colts sneak up and and grab and, and nab the Ravens, it makes the matchups between Tennessee and the Colts even bigger. A week from tonight it's Tennessee versus Indianapolis on Thursday night football. Huge game. It's going to be for the division lead no matter how you look at it. No matter if the both teams lose, both teams win this weekend or one wins and one loses, doesn't matter. Next sun next Thursday night's game is is for the division lead. If Indianapolis finds a way to beat Baltimore, ooh, that game gets big. Ooh. Ooh what if Tennessee loses to Chicago that Indianapolis could have a two game lead in the division by next Friday, the same token, the Titans could have a two game lead in the division by next Friday, because if they beat Chicago at home, like they should and the Ravens go in and beat the Colts, like we expect Tennessee getting a W next Thursday night could put a hell of a cushion on the division. So two really big games for the Titans and Colts f- over the next what it's going to take place in 4 days it's separated by 4 days they both play sunday and then of course they play each other on on thursday you're going to go into that game sunday morning tied at 5 and 2 someone could be 5 and 4 and the other team could be 7 and 2 by friday morning that is a big big swing these games begin. I think Tennessee is going to take it very personally and get it together against Chicago. I feel like the Ravens are going to bounce back. It's funny how uh, Lamar Jackson's having to respond to the fact that Marquise Brown hasn't gotten the ball much. He's blaming himself. I know he's taking the moral high ground. I've also seen Marquise Brown. I realize this is Antonio Brown's cousin. So. Take that with a grain of salt. You don't know what. I, I haven't heard a whole lot from Marquise Brown. He does call himself Hollywood Brown. So I don't know if he's if he's a pure pure diva or not. Most of these receivers are, but not all on all of them are, are boisterous. I've never heard much from him. But let's say he is. Let's say he's got his panties in a wad because he hasn't been used much. I've seen Marquise Brown drop a lot of passes. I've also seen him just not run crisp routes. I think he's overblown as being the number one receiver on the Ravens. I've given up on him in in some of my fantasy leagues. Ones where I I don't need him for depth, I won't start him. Now, the squeaky wheel might get the grease this week. That's fine, but I'm not starting it. I'm not starting it. I cannot start you just because you complained and Lamar Jackson says he's going to get to the ball. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to blow up. That might mean you get four catches for, for 23 yards. I'm not listening to it. You're going to have to burn me, baby, because I've seen it too much. I've seen you just be garbage on too many, too many accounts. And I don't think he's a number one receiver. I think he's a number two fronting like a number one. And that team has to go out and get a number one receiver to make Brown the number two to, so that the offense can run the way Harbaugh would love it to run. He's going to get butt hurt. But I guarantee you the Ravens address the fact that they don't have a true number one next year, next offseason. It's it's just, it's not. You can't just call yourself a number one just because you you might be the most athletic, talented quarter uh, receiver on the team. I actually think Willie Sneed is the best receiver on that team, not counting the tight end. I'm talking about wide receiver. I think Willie Sneed is the best receiver on that team as far as running routes. He's hard nosed. You know who Willie Sneed Sneed reminds me of? He reminds me of uh, Heinz Ward. Just hard nosed receiver. I'm surprised he hasn't ended up in Pittsburgh. Hard nosed receiver who just finds a way. Remember how great Heinz Ward was? He'd put the block on you. Willie Sneed will do the same thing. He'd put the block on you, he'd get his nose dirty. He'd also make the big catch over the middle. and This is back when you used to be able to hit people. You can't do that anymore. <laughs> you hit people the way Troy Troy Palomalu used to hit people. Man, you're getting thrown out of the league. But I'm telling you, I'm seeing it again. Every time I see Antonio Brown interviewed, he looks like he's, he's doped up. I don't know if it's – he's got a one-on-one coming on on the ESPN next hour. I'm – I'm not talking about the one where he's sitting in front of the zoom call on the microphone. I'm talking about the one where he's sitting down with an interview with somebody. He looks doped up. He looked like it last time when he's sitting in front of the zoom, his eyes look crisp. He looks like he's all there. The one that they just showed a second ago, he doesn't look like he's all there. I don't know if they've got him on meds. Cause we all know that, that he's cocoa bananas. He's just, he's, he's not all there. And I don't know if it's got anything to do with him being nervous, going in interviews. So wouldn't surprise me if he smokes a little, little something, something drinks, a little something, something before he goes on, calm his nerves, but his eyes always look glassed over. He does not look glassed over in the zoom call that I'm looking at right now, but he just got out of practice. It's the ones where he's sitting down with someone makes me wonder about the young man. Uh, let's go ahead and turn back time. Get the hell out of here. On another great show on the Armchair Quarterbacks. Tomorrow we got a full slate. Tony Aguilini will be here. We expect Justin Walter to be back and Matt Carr. I can't wait to talk to him about the NBA. I didn't really talk about that today. We'll get more in it tomorrow. But it looks like September 22nd is, is the date that they'll agree on. We'll get that verified by by today. But it uh, looks like that's what they're going for. 72 games, 22, 72 game season as opposed to 82. December 22nd as opposed to mid-January going about 55 to 60 games. LeBron doesn't want to do it. Well, LeBron's got to, to shut up and dribble. The rest, rest of his counterparts said, look, if man, we ain't all worth billions of dollars. You need to chill out with uh, let's wait the wait till late January to come back. Yeah, you might you be stay. tired. What about the New York Knicks who haven't played in about a year? They want a paycheck, baby. Uh, On turn back time today, this date 1914, the Court of Appeals upholds the ban prohibiting Sunday amusements in Washington, D.C. After the law which would have allowed the playing of baseball on this day of the week had previously been overturned. The the Senators, during the brief legal battle, still decided not to play games on Sunday. They were worried about turning off people of worship. And so even though it was legalized in 1914, meaning you could start doing it in 1915, 16, and 17, the Washington, Na- oh I almost said Nationals, Washington Senators would not play their first home game on Sunday until 1918. I know that sounds crazy to people, but that used to be a thing. People used to pay attention and respect each other's religions. Now the mainstream media tells you you're a nut job if you do it, but people just don't respect people anymore. And they've, they've canceled culture the hell out of each other. But just under a hundred years ago, they wouldn't play baseball in most cities. That was just the one that I had circled because of the, the law was passed today. But in most cities, you did not play Major League Baseball on Sundays. This is why it took so long for the NFL to catch on. Because they started playing on Sundays. Okay? Because college football had Saturdays. And there were a lot of people that believed that you were a heathen for watching football on Sundays. Even if you would go to church, leave church, and then go to the game... Because most of the games kicked off much later back then. Most of them kicked off around 2 o'clock, sometimes 3. You you get the heart of the day. You didn't have television, so you didn't care how many games you catch. You, You could only catch the one game you were going to. And so it would give you time to go home from church, get changed, maybe get some lunch, and then head to the ball game. But all that changed with the advent of television. And television is what really sparked the National Football League. No matter what they tell you, TV is why the NFL took off. Birthdays. It's your birthday today. Uh, birthdays. Bill Walton. Man, is that true? He's 68 years old. Of course, Bill Walton was is is a Hall of Fame center. Uh, NBA championships in 77 with Portland and 86 with Boston. He was the finals MVP in 77 in 1977. There was no better basketball player than Bill Walton. And he started getting a lot of foot problems. A lot of it was attributed to, to, to his size. And, uh, anyways, incredible college basketball player as well. Remember he won, won championships with UCLA. Uh, played for Bill Walt not Bill Walton. Uh, name's escaping me right now. Uh, the Wizard of Westwood. Also, Javi Lopez, remember him? He's 50 years old today. One of my favorite catchers of all time, Javi Lopez of the Atlanta Braves. I also want to mention this because I forgot to mention it. Uh, earlier in the uh, turn back time, real quick, on this date, 1959, is it 61 years ago, in my head they've been around longer, but 60, just 61 years ago, the AFL was announced. They would start the next season with eight teams. What is now the AFC that got absorbed by the NFL, eight Teams, AFL starts in 1960. And of course, the uh, the Oakland Raiders were one of the original. I don't have it in front of me. I think I could probably guess it, but we don't have enough time for today. But I think I could guess m- most of the AFL ones. Um, also, this is historic. 1968, the first American League pitcher to win the MVP. That's because they used to only just have one MVP. They didn't ever... They never did just AL and just NL, so that was pretty new at that time. But Denny McLean wins the MVP, wins unanimously. Denny McClain, which hasn't been done since, won 31 games in 1968. Guys don't even pitch 31 times anymore. He won 31 games in 1968. That's how quickly the game has changed. Unbelievable to think of anyone. What do you think the high would be for for the rest of our lifetime? The most wins we will ever see a pitcher get assuming that they keep the, the rules the same. I think the over under is 21 and a half. I don't know if you'll ever see over 21. I could see another 20 game winner, but man, man, are they few and far between nowadays? They pull them too early. They pull them in the fifth or sixth inning. Then you have to rely on your bullpen for four innings. People now care more about ERA, whip, all that junk. Used to back in the day, baby. It was all about that W. It was all about that W. And now it just seems like no one cares about the W. And I'm going to leave you with this. This is my walk-off. You play to win the game. you damn right you do. We'll see you tomorrow. Goodbye sweetheart Well it's time to go We're back tomorrow With another another show Well Unless we're fired We'll talk to you Goodbye, sweetheart. Goodbye. Goodbye. Guys and gals, it's time to go. We'll see you on the next show. Same that time, same that channel. Thanks for listening to Armchair Quarterback Radio, your first choice for sports talk here on the First Coast. (laughs) armchair quarterback radio comes your way every day find armchair quarterbacks radio on facebook today and don't forget to tap that app the armchair quarterbacks app is free to download and you can take us anywhere you go you can hear the whole show every day on armchair quarterbacks app you haven't downloaded it yet your armchair quarterbacks app is the best app you can tap today google android apple iphone that's right download it tap that app today you can take the armchair quarterbacks app anywhere free to download free to use and important to have download it today tap that armchair quarterbacks app for the best in southeast sports talk listen live or catch the replay i kind of like that i want to tap